Isn't it great to know that our God has risen? And because He has risen, we have hope. We have hope of eternity. Today I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to uh, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We begin a series entitled, With Jesus, A Journey Through Lent. And today's message, Stephen, is with Jesus after dark. So the story of Nicodemus starts very early in the ministry of Jesus. There's this group of religious leaders. They're called Pharisees. They were the best people in the country. They were the best of the best. If you ask them, what is it that you do? Well, their full-time job was being good and helping others to be good as well. I'm good. Barclay tells us, now not Charles Barclay, but William Barclay, the, the author and, and writer, Bible scholar, tells us that there was probably about 6,000 Pharisees. Uh, they, to enter into this brotherhood of the Pharisees, you would have to make a pledge in front of three witnesses that you would observe every detail of the scribal law. The law consisted of the first five books of the Old Testament. Over time, the Pharisees expanded the law to govern every conceivable situation that a person might face. They wanted to make sure that you follow the law, and so they wanted to figure out how to help you do that. For example, to tie a knot on the Sabbath was considered work. You couldn't tie a camel knot. You couldn't tie a, a knot uh, around a bucket, but you could tie a knot, say, if you had a blouse and you wanted to tie that blouse together, or if you had a skirt that needed tied up, you could do that, or you could even tie up a girdle. And so the people found ways to get around these burdensome laws. So if they needed to get water on the Sabbath, they would simply take a rope and tie it to a girdle, and then tie it to a bucket and lower it down in the well, and they would get their water. That way they kept the law, the letter of the law. Well, Jesus comes along about this time, and he begins to preach and to teach, and, and the people really are attracted to Jesus. You see, he teaches in a way that is different than the Pharisees and the scribes. He teaches about love and mercy and justice. He teaches about issues of the heart. He said, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that if, if any man looks upon a woman lustfully, he has already committed adultery in his heart. And so he gets to the issue of the heart. It's not about the letter of the law. It's about the heart. And he goes out about preaching and teaching, and, and the people flock to hear Jesus. And then he begins to heal people. And he even heals people on the Sabbath. Well, this makes the Pharisees quite angry, because this Jesus is breaking their law. And they're jealous of Jesus, because the people are more attracted to Jesus than they are to them. Well, there was this little group of Pharisees that thought 
well, maybe this Jesus, maybe this Jesus is indeed from God. And they wondered, is it possible, is it possible that this Jesus, could it be that he's the promised Messiah? They had hopes, they they had questions. And yet, they spoke amongst themselves in secret. They would watch Jesus. They would watch him perform miracles. They would watch him teach the people. And they would come back and talk about the parables. What do you you think that parable meant? But they spoke secretly between themselves. Because, well, they didn't want the other Pharisees to know how they felt about Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever spoken out against the norm? Have you? Have you ever spoken out against the norm? You see, it's not easy to stand against your peers. All the Pharisees felt that this Jesus was not from God. They were jealous of him. They didn't like him. They wanted nothing to do with him. And I've heard this statement a lot over the last 20 years. All scientists agree, dot, dot, dot. All scientists agree that, just fill in the blank. All scientists agree that, and if you don't agree, well, then you're made out to be an imbecile. You're made out to be a moron. How could you be so stupid? Well, we know that all scientists don't agree. But these Pharisees, this tiny little group, they didn't agree with their peers. They wanted to know more about this Jesus. They, they wanted to know, is it possible that he is the one, the promised Messiah? Two of these guys were named Nicodemus, and another one was named Joseph of Arimathea. There were others, but there are only two that are mentioned in the New Testament. So this little breakaway group of Pharisees, they would get together in the afternoon and they would discuss what they had seen that day as Jesus preached, as he taught. And they had all these questions about Jesus. They wanted to know more. And yet they were troubled because this Jesus didn't keep their traditions. This Jesus did not keep their rules. And they didn't know what to think about him. And they had all these questions. Specifically, they had a question that they wanted answered. You see, this is a question that the Pharisees wanted answered. This was a question that the Sadducees would want answered. This was a question that the common man would want answered. In fact, this is a question that you and I want answered. And so they asked Nicodemus to go to Jesus and ask the question. And this is where our story begins in John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. This word, ruling council, would suggest that Nicodemus was a lay member in the Sanhedrin. Now we knew that there were 6,000 of these Pharisees, about that many. And of those, there were 70 rulers. The Talmud tells us that, that Nicodemus was one of the fourth richest men in Jerusalem. 
So that means this guy, Nicodemus, he was kind of like a senator. He had all kinds of power. He had all kinds of authority. He had a lot of wealth. He was well-respected. Everywhere he went, people knew who Nicodemus was. And our story continues, verse 2. And he came to Jesus at night. Now, there's a lot of speculation why he came at night. He may have come at night because, well, it was hot. And you could have a nice conversation after the sun went down in the evening. Some speculate that he came at night because, well, the crowds were so pushing in on Jesus that it was impossible to have a conversation with him, a one-on-one. Others say that he went at night because, well, quite honestly, he was afraid of being found out. You see, everybody knew who Nicodemus was. And so he went at night, the scripture tells us. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we, and this is another key word. In other words, I'm not here representing myself. I'm representing a group of us. You see, we've been watching you. We've been observing you. And we have these questions We have so many questions, and we're starting to believe. Rabbi, we know that you are a good teacher who has come from God. Now, we don't know what your relationship with God is, but it's obvious to us that you have come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. So here we have Nicodemus. He's setting the stage to ask the question. The question that the Pharisees wanted answered. The question that the common man wanted answered. The question that we would want answered. And you know, Jesus does this thing that he does several times throughout the New Testament. Nicodemus takes this deep breath and he gets ready to ask the question. And before he can even get it out, Jesus answers his question. Verse 3. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus raises his hand and says, how did you know? How did you know that that was my question? This was the question we wanted to know. Essentially, what Nicodemus was saying was, how do I know that I have a right standing with God? How do I know that when I die, that there's something good for me? How can I know that God knows my name? How can I know that God loves me and cares about me? How can I have an assurance Of eternity with him. You see it's a question all of us would ask. How can I know? How can I know that I have entrance into the kingdom of God? And Jesus said the only way to know for sure. The only way that you can go to bed at night and just. (sighs) Breathe a great big sigh of relief. Is to be born. Again. And so Nicodemus, by this time, he begins to become frustrated. Then he asks, the only thing that he can think to ask, well, how, how, how can a man be born again when he's old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his 
mother's womb to be born. You don't want to think about that too long. The, the point is this. Jesus has, I mean, the point is this. Nicodemus is saying to Jesus, I have a very serious question. How can I know that things are right between me and God? How can I know that things are right between me and the Creator? What does this, what does this mean? Nicodemus asks. And Jesus continues, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water, meaning the natural birth, and the Spirit. Nicodemus says, okay, explain it to me. Tell me more. Help me to understand what you're saying here. And, and Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh. You know, dogs have dogs, cats have cats, people have people. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Nicodemus says, okay, I, I understand that. And Jesus continues. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You see, Nicodemus, God is spirit. And he provides for each of us a spiritual birth. Nicodemus, there must be this internal spiritual birth. In verse 7 it says, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And then I love this next part. Nicodemus says, how can this be? (laughs) I'm one of the smart guys. As a matter of fact, in the group, a small little tiny group of Pharisees, they asked me to come and ask the question. I've spent my life following your commandments. I've spent my life trying to be obedient to you. I've spent my life following the letter of the law. And you're telling me that it's not that complicated? That just as I was born to my parents, I can have a spiritual birth? And the conversation continues and Jesus says, No one has ever gone to heaven. No one has ever gone into heaven. And and Nicodemus thinks to himself, well, that's the problem right there. Nobody's ever been there. Nobody's been able to come back and tell us, well, this is how you need to get to heaven. Nobody gives us instructions. I always think about this myself. You know, what's heaven going to be like? You know, I figure when I get there, they'll just give me a brochure, tell me where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there. I really don't worry about those details, but I do care about the details of how to get there. I want to make sure that I have my ticket. And I'm ready to go. Are you ready? Nicodemus says, no one has gone to heaven. And we've been trying to figure this out, how to get to heaven. So we we do all this guessing. But we never really have assurance. There's times that we feel like we're close to God. And there's other times we feel like we're far away. There's times that we feel like we're forgiven. And other times we feel like we're condemned. And we just go back and forth and back and forth. And if somebody, if somebody could come from heaven and explain to us how to get there. And then Nicodemus looks at Jesus. And we were hoping that maybe you were the one. And Jesus gets a big smile on his face. And he says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. 
At this, Nicodemus begins to feel a little bit uncomfortable because Jesus is making claims that makes him uncomfortable because he's making claims that borders on blasphemy. He says, I I know you're from God because it's obvious you're from God because no one could do the miracles that you're doing if they were not from God. I don't understand this relationship. I, I understand you're a good teacher. I understand that you're a miracle worker. But with this statement... You're claiming an exclusive relationship with God, and, and, and that's a little spooky to me. But before he can say very much more, Jesus says, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus totally got this next part. Just as Moses, Jesus said. Now, Nicodemus knew all about Moses. He knew that Moses was a, he knew all about Moses because he grew up as a, good Jewish boy. He heard all the stories about Moses in the wilderness and how he led the Israelite people out of their bondage. He knew the story of Moses. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert. Now what Jesus was talking about here is illustrating to Nicodemus an Old Testament story. It's found in Numbers 21. You don't need to go back and look at that, but it's Numbers 21, 4 through 9. You see, the people had spoken out against Moses, so they had spoken out against God. And the Lord sent these venomous snakes among the people. And they bit them, and and many died. You see, they spoke out against God, and they spoke out against Moses. And God punished them because of their evil ways. And so there were all these snakes they were there in the desert, and, and the snakes would come out at night, and, and they'd find them in their tents. They'd find them in their clothes. They were everywhere, in their food. And so the people come to Moses and say, pray to God and ask God to forgive us, for we were disrespectful to God and disrespectful to you. And Moses prayed, we have sinned, and we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And then God asked Moses to do this weird thing. He says, I want you to take a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And I want you to have the people go and stare at the bronze snake. And they will live. So if they were bitten, they could just go stare at this bronze snake. Well, Moses was very familiar with this story. He was a good Jewish boy, and he understood it. And Jesus continues, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And here's the kicker. You see, Nicodemus came asking this question that we want to know the answer to. The question is, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus says, Here's the answer. Just as this Moses was lifted up, the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Nicodemus says, you mean everyone who behaves? And Jesus says, no, everyone who believes. You mean it's not about following all these rules? It's not about behaving a certain way? No, it's about a relationship. It's about behaving. Those God will circumcise the heart. God will help you to live the proper way. 
Everyone who believes. You mean, I've been taught all my life that if we behave a certain way, then we will get into the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, no, it's about a spiritual birth. It's in believing. And the conversation ends. So Nicodemus and his friends go to the Pharisee meetings and they keep a watch on Jesus and they observe him and they wonder about him. You know, is this truly the Son of God? And time goes on and Jesus becomes more and more popular over time. The Pharisees, they become more and more jealous of Jesus. They're worried about what will happen to their power. They're worried about what will happen to their authority. They're, they're worried about what will happen to their position. What will happen to their influence. Finally, these Pharisees, they get fed up with Jesus and his teaching and his preaching. And they decide in a meeting that enough is enough. Let's just arrest him. So they call the temple guard in, and they had this little temple guard. It was kind of like a small little army that the Romans let the Jewish leaders had have. And it was a, uh, kind of like the Swiss guard that, that guards the Vatican City. This little army. This little tiny army. And they sent out this temple guard. And they instructed them to bring back Jesus, to arrest Jesus and bring them, him back. So they go out early at around lunchtime and, and they send out Jesus. I mean, they send out the temple guard to, to go get Jesus and they sit down and, and they have a little conversation. And, and as it gets closer to lunchtime, they, you know, look at one another and say, hey, you know, you want to get some, you want to get some lunch? And they eat some and, you know, they wait and they wait and they wait some more. And you know, where are those guys at? And they snack a little bit more and they wait and they wait and they wait. And where, where is where's the temple guard? Play little cards, take a little nap. Still no Jesus. Finally, they hear this commotion outside of the outside of the room, and here comes the temple guard, but they don't have Jesus. And John tells us what happens in John chapter 7, verse 45. John 7, 45. Finally, the temple guard went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? Where have you been all this time? You left early this morning and, and we, we waited and waited and waited and then we finally we had lunch and and we waited some more and we played some cards and we waited some more and we took a nap. And where have you been? To which they said, verse 46, no one has ever spoken the way this man does, the guard declared. The Pharisees said, whoa, 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 wait a minute, you mean you... You sat down and you listened to him preach? Well, you know, the crowd was kind of big. We didn't want to really disturb things. And, and so we figured it was better just to sit back and not interrupt. And so we sat back. And we sat, You know, we sat back by those columns there. And we just kind of sat and we listened. And, and you know, this guy, he makes a lot of sense. 
Pharisees looked at themselves as if to say, good grief. Verse 47. You mean he has deceived you also? In other words, we can't even trust our own temple guard. Then they asked the question that made Nicodemus feel a little bit uncomfortable. Verse 48. Has any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? You see, they're speaking really in a condescending way to these temple guards. They're saying, look, we're the smart guys. We're the good guys. We're on the good team. We're the keepers of the law. We're on the right side of this. Has anybody in the Pharisees, is there anybody in the Pharisees who believe anything this guy has to say? So why would you bunch of morons believe what he has to say? How could you fall for this? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed him? Then the Pharisee answers his own question. No, they haven't believed in him. But this mob, this mob, they know nothing about the law. And there is a curse on them. It's it's like they've been deceived and they're willing to follow anybody. But those of us who are in the know, we know that this man couldn't possibly be from God. At this point, and the Nicodemus is sitting there in the room, and, and he's looking over at Joseph and the others in this small little group, and, and they're saying, hey, you got to say something. And, and he's you know, hesitant to do that. The Nicodemus finally kind of stands up and raises his hand. And verse 50 says, 51, Does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? I'm not saying that I buy into all that Jesus is doing. I'm not saying that I believe in Jesus. I'm just saying we ought to, we ought to hear him out. We ought to find out what he is teaching. We ought to, we ought to listen to this guy. We ought to have him answer some of our questions. And this drives the Pharisees crazy. And they replied, Nicodemus, are you from Galilee too? You moron, how could you think such a thing? In such an insult, in a condescending way, look into Look into it. You will find that a prophet does not come from Galilee. You see, they understood that Jesus would come from Bethlehem. But Jesus grew up in Galilee. You see, the problem was they had not done their homework. They didn't realize that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They just knew that this Jesus grew up in Galilee. And so there was no way possible that he was the promised one, the Messiah. Nicodemus... Temple guard, you bunch of morons, what are you thinking? So they're all up in arms and they're all upset with one another. And then verse 33, and I kind of love this, and they went home. (laughs) Today we begin a series with Jesus, a journey through Lent. On Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about how Nicodemus and Joseph saved Easter. 
because of Christ's life, it made a difference in their difference in their life. Now turn back with me to John three sixteen. The scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever, that's you, that's me, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Christ died so that you might have eternal life with him. The answer to the question has been given through the Son, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you and for me. He shed his blood for the remission of our sins. And it's up to us to accept this free gift of salvation. Read on, verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Think about that. God loves you. He sent his son for you. Let's look at verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Let me ask you a question. Do you love the darkness more than the light? If you were to survey your life, is your life spent more in the darkness than it is in the light? Are you attracted to the things of God? Does your life reflect one who's been redeemed? Who's accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord? Verse 20. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Verse 21. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen, may be seen plainly that what has been done has been done through God. Are you a reflection of God's light? Nicodemus asked a question that we all want to know. How can I know for sure? You can know if you believe. Let's stand and sing together. Change my heart, O God. There may be someone in this room today that would say, I'm not living the way that I ought to be. I'm not living in the light. My, my life is more a reflection of the dark. And, and I need to come and ask God to forgive me. I've sinned against God. Well, the altars are a great place to do that. It's just a place to meet God, to pray. You can do that in your seat. But this is a wonderful place to come. It's friendly. If you want somebody to pray with you, somebody will surround you and pray with you. If you want to be here by yourself, that's fine too. It could be that you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. And you've been asking that question. What must I do? (sighs) To breathe that sigh and to know the assurance of my salvation. 
John 3.16 is very clear. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And today you can know that assurance. Let's sing that song together. Change my heart, O God. The altars are open.